This is BoroughCast from Scarborough Borough Council. Hello and thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast from Scarborough Borough Council. This is the November edition of BoroughCast with Andy Carter and Gabrielle Janzio. We don't want to frighten you, but on the day we're recording this, there are less than six weeks to go until Christmas. If you or someone you know works in retail or hospitality, you or they are most likely gearing up for the busiest period of the year. For the rest of us, the pressure is now on to get all the necessary presents bought and wrapped. Of course, this year we have the backdrop of a cost of living crisis, which means some families will have no choice but to cut back their spending. Stay tuned for more support and advice on that particular issue. Here's what else we're covering in this episode, how we are tackling the issue of a lack of affordable homes across our borough, news of an investment in tennis and boxing in Whitby, and new Changing Places toilets are coming to Filey. But first, we start with a follow-up to something we mentioned last month. It was all about the cost of living crisis and how we as a council have been working together with public and third sector organisations to offer warm spaces throughout our borough. As well as a physical warm and welcoming place, advice and help would also be available. You may remember that we spoke to our colleague Matthew Joseph, who's been leading this work, so he could explain to us more about these warm spaces. As a bit of a recap, here's what he told Gabrielle. Everyone is familiar now with the cost of living crisis. It's um, it's all over the news and the newspapers. What we're finding anecdotally and also with hard evidence as well is that a lot of people are struggling to pay their bills and um, struggling with the rise of energy costs. And it's not just those that are at the kind of the, the lower levels of the economic scale. It's 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 working families, it's professionals as well. It, it's hitting everyone. Um, and what we really want to do with the Warm Spaces campaign is to to utilise our community buildings, which we've got dozens of across the borough, um, and to work with our colleagues in the community and voluntary sector to open up these spaces to to bring people in and and to get them out of the out of the cold essentially this winter. The good news is that a database of all the warm spaces throughout the borough is now available. You'll find it at www.warmwelcome.info and we'll also add a link to the show notes. The database is being generously powered by local community development consultant Sprout House, supported by Scarborough, Whitby and Rydell Mind. It will be continually updated as more organisations come forward with offers of help and will also include a facility for local groups to add their own cost of living support activities. As well as a place to get warm and see a friendly face, anyone attending one of the venues will have access to a range of support, including things such as housing benefits, tax and financial advice. Our Evron Centre in Filey and Fallsgrave Community Resource Centre in Scarborough are also offering a warm welcome to anyone who needs it. The Evron Centre is open between 9.30am and 12 midday every Tuesday and free tea and coffee will be provided. Our team at Fallsgrave Community Resource Centre will also work with Edge Hill Community Association to provide a free supper club every Monday evening between 4pm and 8pm. North Yorkshire County Council's libraries in Eastfield, Filey, Newby and Scorby, Scarborough and Whitby are also part of the network of welcoming spaces and so is a range of other buildings from community centres to village halls and those run or managed by charities. 
And to help support this whole process, we've already announced a pot of £10,000 to provide grants of up to £300 to support the rollout of the welcoming spaces. Our Warm Welcome Fund provides voluntary and community groups hosting warm spaces with quick and easy access to this financial support. Um, it's great news that more than 20 local organisations have benefited from the grant so far. And we are also keen to support areas currently lacking free warm spaces, especially ones available on evenings or at weekends. More information about the Warm Welcome Fund is available from our colleague Margaret Elwick by email, and there's a link to that address in the show notes. A quick reminder, you're listening to BoroughCast, a podcast from Scarborough Borough Council, and we're talking about the cost of living crisis. Well, we know many families across our borough are struggling with the cost of living crisis right now. Whether it's the affordability of food, energy, fuel or items such as school uniforms, the prices we must pay seem to be constantly rising. This November budget announcement included a reference to ongoing support for energy bills. As you'll probably be aware, there is currently a cap in place on the unit cost of gas and electricity and a limit on standing charges, which means the average household should not pay more than £2,500 a year. Of course, if you use more energy, you will pay more. The cap will rise next April, so an average annual bill should not exceed £3,000. And of course, that is a lot of money still, and some households will be eligible for other cost of living payments, but amounts will vary on individual financial circumstances. The government has published full details of the help and support available on its website. It's also created an online tool to help you find out what financial assistance you may be eligible for. Our amazing colleagues at Citizens Advice for North Yorkshire can also be contacted. And we've included all the relevant links in the show notes for this podcast. You're listening to BoroughCast, a podcast from Scarborough Borough Council. Next, we're going into partnerships so we can build hundreds of new affordable homes in our borough. Our joint venture with a company called Lovell Partnerships will last the next 30 years and focus on delivering high-quality and sustainable new properties. Right now, there are 2,000 households currently on the waiting list for social rented housing in our borough, and we require 4,000 specialist accessible and adaptable homes. Rebecca Jackson is our colleague who has been playing a leading role and working hard for most of this year to create the new partnership. And she joins us on the podcast today. Welcome to Borocast, Rebecca. Hi, Gabrielle. Hi, Andy. Before we speak to Rebecca, let's first hear from Councillor Carl Moore, who is a member of our cabinet and has responsibility for housing. We asked him to set the housing scene in the borough. Like a lot of other coastal communities, we're, we're you know, slightly unique to things like other towns and cities, etc. In that, because of the beautiful surroundings, a lot, understandably, a lot of people um, want to buy holiday lets here, they want to buy second homes here and stuff. But we also have the added problem of a lot of the employment within the town is seasonal employment. We have one of the lowest wages within the country, yet with that demand for housing, we have some of the highest priced houses. We're talking at times where, um, in order to buy a home, you're talking seven, eight, even nine times people's salaries. And that, to be quite honest, is the definition of unaffordable. One of the issues we have is we have a lot of people within private lets because of the lack of social housing or the lack of alternative means of affordable housing. And sometimes 
despite the fact that we've used the selected licensing to improve standards, the standards aren't quite right, but it's also how unaffordable they are. When people are having to pay large top-ups, for example, out of benefits, or more likely out of the low wages that they're receiving already, then it doesn't leave them much to live on. So providing affordable housing for everybody is, that, is basically that starting point. That was Councillor Carl Moore. Rebecca, welcome to Borough Cost once again. So let's start by asking you what the Better Homes project is all about, please. So Better Homes is the council responding to what our communities have told us really about the difficulties that they're facing in accessing quality affordable homes. Our residents have told us that there's not enough affordable housing for young people, there's not enough social housing, there's a lack of accessible housing for disabled people and that new build housing is just not affordable for locals. We also understand that there are concerns around numbers of second homes and holiday lets in several areas of the borough, which, which can also make it difficult for residents to access affordable homes in the places that they want to live. So Better Homes really is about our commitment to change this, to enable access to a good quality affordable home for everybody. We also wanted to look at ways of, of helping people across the whole spectrum of housing need. Um, so that's those who are looking for social rented housing through to those wanting to take the first step onto the housing ladder, maybe through shared ownership or discounted sale products. And then those people looking on the open market for open market housing as well. So you've given us an indication about why the project is necessary. Uh, I think sort of interestingly for us as we're taking a partnership approach to this particular challenge, why have we decided to, to look at that as a model for, for the way this project moves forward? There are lots of different ways, really, that councils can approach the development of housing using using their land. For example, they can develop directly using their own staff resources and perhaps borrowing money to finance development. That's probably the most risky approach in the in the spectrum of different delivery approaches because all of the development risk remains with the council. In that case, another option would be councils selling plots of land off to housing developers for them to develop, which clearly reduces that risk to the council. But it also makes it more difficult for the council to then influence what, what is built on the land and make sure the council's priorities are met. So the other approach and the approach that we are taking is for councils to combine the best of both worlds, really, and to develop their land in partnership with the housing development market. So in that way, there's a sharing of risk and reward, but the council's also able to bring in expert resources and additional finance investment that the council wouldn't otherwise have access to and can develop a portfolio of sites to ensure that there's a quite a long term strategic approach to placemaking. Sounds excellent, Rebecca, and certainly the balance that I think we're all looking for to actually meet our original objectives. So, so looking ahead to when obviously, you know, this is put in place and what do you hope the outcome will be for the Better Homes project overall? Just last week, our cabinet agreed to proceed to establish the joint venture partnership with Lovell, which was really, really positive. We had, we had excellent cross-party support throughout the process for working towards this solution. But because we're going through the local government reorganisation process at the minute, and there are some significant contracts involved um, in this partnership and, and the various areas of land that we're looking at, we need to seek the consent of the county council before we move any further. So we've got that process now in hand. So we're expecting the outcome to be a fast pace of delivery. This is one of our key objectives. And we're looking at schemes potentially starting on site next year. So we'd be expecting to see new quality, environmentally sustainable um, and most importantly, affordable homes being delivered for our residents in, in the very near future. Excellent. Um, thanks, Rebecca, for being on the podcast today. It's been great to have you with us. Thank you very much. <music> 
Next, another month and another set of false claims in the media. This time it relates to the sad news about the closure of the Star in the Harbour at Whitby. We're not fussed about the way the story has been reported by the media, but we do feel it's necessary to set the record straight about claims made by the restaurant's owner. In a press release announcing the closure, Andrew Pern blamed us for the decision. He said he didn't get support from us during the COVID pandemic and that we continued to demand rent when no money was coming in. Um, You won't be surprised that that we reject those claims. Um, The truth is that we have been working with the restaurant for several months before the closure announcement to ensure it could continue to trade. This included us agreeing new tenancy terms, but sadly the restaurant walked away. We asked the leader of the council, Steve Siddons, about this on our sister podcast, In Conversation With. Here's what he told us. It's very disappointing that uh, Andrew Pern has seen fit to to close that business, which I think has been a, a great benefit to Whitby and the surrounding area over the last few years. The issue around the help that the council has given is very unfair on his part. We have given a great deal, as you've just said, a great deal of support to his business and every other business in the borough. And and that is something that we've focused on heavily over the last couple of years that we've had COVID. I think many businesses would have folded if it hadn't been for the for the help that the council, through money provided by the government, uh, has been able to give businesses. And, it, and it's amounted to many, many millions of pounds. And I think it's disingenuous of Mr Pern to suggest that we've not helped. Mr Pern has to decide what to do with his own businesses. And uh, I'm I'm sure, although we're losing a business in Whitby, there are other businesses of his opening in other places. So I'm sure he will continue to provide that service. But we will just continue to help all businesses as much as we can. We can't make special cases for individuals who who happen to be well-known. That was Councillor Steve Siddons speaking on our sister podcast, In Conversation With. You can download or stream the entire episode of that via your favourite podcast hosting service, your smart home speaker, or directly from us at scarborough.gov.uk forward slash podcasts. Positive Whitby news now, and we have two stories to tell you about. First, work is underway to bring Whitby Westcliff's outdoor tennis courts back into public use. As part of a £730,000 investment and improvements in the town, the courts behind Whitby Leisure Centre are getting a revamp. There will be new playing surfaces, nets, perimeter fencing and associated landscaping. It's part of phase two of our public realm improvement scheme called Project Sunshine and is a wider priority to increase the provision of better facilities for playing tennis. Meanwhile, the team behind Whitby Boxing Club has been given the keys to their shiny new building at Eastside Community Centre. We've invested £823,000 in the facilities on site and our contribution has been topped up with extra funds from Sport England and Anglo-American. It's all part of the Towns Deal programme, which will see a total of £17.1 million spent in Whitby. Sandra Turner is the project sponsor for the work at Eastside, which also includes an upgrade to the existing community centre facilities. Here she is to tell us more. The project is in two phases. Phase one covers the Whitby Boxing Club and phase two is the improvements and extension to the Eastside Community Centre. 
If we're looking at phase one firstly, the Whitby Boxing Club is situated down more in the centre of town, but they've so outgrown their facilities, they desperately needed a new location. So we were unable to work together and bring them on board with the town deal funding along with other funding they've received from Sport England and the Sirius Foundation. The Whitby Boxing Club, it's a brand new facility. It enables the club to offer their services and training facilities to a much wider capacity audience and all ages are very, very welcome there, equally along with the Eastside Community Centre. Presently, we only have the one room that can be used for activities. The whole purpose of our side of the project is to extend the centre and we're creating a further two meeting rooms along with a cafe that will be built into the extension at the front and a reception area. We'll also have the upstairs modified and improved and create a, a really well-needed storage area there. And along with major improvements, the Eastside Community Centre is an old building. This project will, will really widen the activities and the services that we can provide here to our local community. So moving forward, when we've got the finished build here, the service that will be available for our local community will be second to none in Whitby. We've waited for such a long time to get some provision like this that will actually hit at the root of the community and deliver the services that we really do need to see. Looking forward to the day when we can welcome our community back in, we'll have an open day, and show everyone the services and activities that will be available as we move forward. That was Sandra Turner, who is overseeing our investment works at Eastside Community Centre in Whitby. As we said, we're spending £17.1 million in Whitby as part of the town's deal project, and another £20.2 million is allocated to Scarborough. In future editions of Boroughcast, we're going to be hearing more about some of the individual projects from West Pier in Scarborough to Whitby's new maritime training hub. Make sure you don't miss our next episode to find out more. You're listening to Boroughcast, a podcast from Scarborough Borough Council. Let's take a short break from news to bring you the part of this podcast which you can contribute to. In fact, it rather relies on your input. We call it Sounds of the Borough. If you're familiar with the principle of slow radio or you listen to Paddy O'Connell on Radio 4 regularly, you'll know what this is all about. Our borough is visually stunning, but we also think it's audibly interesting too. For this episode, we're going to space, but with our feet firmly on the ground, mainly because there was no time to fill in the risk assessment forms. Last month, several people sent us pictures of the northern lights which they had taken from a as far apart as Filey and Dorby Forest. The images, one of which you can see in the November edition of our Residence News newsletter, are stunning and we've published them. But we wondered if the Aurora Borealis actually makes a noise. Well, our team of researchers have discovered the answer might be yes. And this is what they found. Thank you. 
It's the clicks and pops that we're interested in there. Gabrielle, you're no scientist, I know, but what did you think? I actually didn't think there would be a noise, so that's rather interesting. Well, that's interesting you say, because the issue of the Northern Lights actually making a noise has been studied by brainy academics and specialists in recent years. But despite this, there is no hard evidence they actually produce a sound. I suppose that's absolutely fine, because in the meantime, when you do see them, they are beautiful to look at. And if you'd like to submit your own Sound of the Borough recording, please send it to podcasts at scarborough.gov.uk. This is Boroughcast from Scarborough Borough Council. Three new changing places toilets are to be built in Filey, Whitby and Scarborough. We're investing £280,000 in the project with £120,000 from our own funds and a grant of £160,000 from the government. Changing places toilets are for the exclusive use of people with profound disabilities and differ considerably from a traditional accessible cubicle. They are usually much larger, have additional equipment, including a height adjustable adult changing bench, basin and electrically operated hoist. And without these changing places toilets, the person with disabilities is put at risk and families are forced to expose their own health and safety by changing their loved one on a toilet floor. And I'm sure you'll agree, Andy, nobody wants to have to experience that. The new facilities will be built on Friday Foreshore at Whitby Marina and in Scarborough's North Bay. The investment will bring the number of changing places toilets available in our main seaside towns up to five. And it's hoped the three new toilets will be open in time for next year's main holiday season. We're going to carry out repairs to the sheet piling which supports Scarborough's West Pier. It's home to the fish market, harbour office, public toilets and a selection of coastal related businesses. A survey carried out by a specialist team of divers found the condition of the piles has been affected by corrosion, with holes appearing and the thickness of the metal reduced in places. The 122-metre-long sheet pile wall was constructed in the 1980s in front of the original pier structure. Our repairs will give it extra strength and safeguard the buildings used by the fishing industry for at least the next 10 years. The work will cost £1.35 million and we're paying for it from our own funds. You're listening to Boroughcast, a podcast from Scarborough Borough Council. You're being given the chance to comment now on future local government spending because the team of people setting up your new unitary council now want to talk money. They've extended their Let's Talk campaign so you can help prioritise the authority's first ever budget and what services are the most important to you. At the centre of the consultation is a tool which enables you to allocate a fictional £100,000 to the local services provided by the council in your community. To find out more, visit the dedicated Let's Talk consultation page and you'll find the link to that in the show notes for our podcast. A few months ago, we spoke to Caroline Harrison-Jones from the team running Let's Talk, who joined us here on Boroughcast to explain why she wanted your involvement. It's vital, you know, the council, it's there for the benefit of the residents in North Yorkshire. Um, We, many of us work in, uh, live in North Yorkshire as well as work for the local authority there. Um, So it's really important that we are hearing 
what do people want from their local council? What services can we offer? And obviously some things we have to do, uh, some things we have to spend money on, like um, adult and children's services. But there are also other things that we can do as a local council to help support um, and make sure that everybody is getting the things that they need from their local council. So we're really, really interested to hear the views of, um, of all our residents. That was Caroline Harrison-Jones. You'll remember from previous editions of Boroughcast that we won't exist from the end of March 2023. These seven district and borough councils in North Yorkshire, along with the county council, are all being abolished. From the 1st of April next year, there will be a single council providing all services. It will be called North Yorkshire Council. You'll see its new logo and brand identity in use from early next year. We have to say we really do encourage you to take part in the Let's Talk consultation. It is your chance to influence how the new council will work in future, whether you are a resident here or you own or run a business in the borough. Finally, last month we told you that our podcasts are now available via your favourite hosting provider. That includes Apple, Spotify and Amazon. We are working with the team at Google to iron out a slight blip, which means our episodes aren't available on all Google devices. Now, our tech wizard, as promised, has worked his further magic so our podcasts can now be heard via your favourite smart home speaker. If you have an Amazon Alexa, a Google Nest or an Apple HomePod with Siri, you can ask them to play podcasts from Scarborough Borough Council to hear our content. If you don't use a podcast app, though, you can still listen or download all of our episodes via our website. And there's a link to that in the show notes. That's it for this edition of Boroughcast. Before we go, here's a reminder that next month's podcast will be published slightly earlier than usual because of the Christmas break. You shouldn't miss out if you listen via your preferred podcast hosting service where you can follow or subscribe and be notified when we post new content. Thanks for listening. From Andy. Goodbye. And from me, Gabrielle. Goodbye. For more news and information about the services we provide, visit scarborough.gov.uk.